What's up, Icomer fans? If you've ever wondered how route creation and ride mapping works, you're going to love this episode. My guest is Eric Simeoncheck, co-founder of Sherpa Map. I'm guessing you haven't heard of them yet, but the cycling route map service they're building is incredible, using AI and granular LiDAR data compiled over weather, surface type, and elevation data to create the most sophisticated route you can imagine. And they just keep improving it. It's wild, and in this episode, Eric explains how they got started, how mapping and route building works, and how they're using AI to predict everything from service type to how many calories you'll need, and even advise on tire selection for your next race. Please welcome Eric Simeoncheck. Hey Eric, welcome to the Bike Rumor Show. It's great to be here. Yeah, so it's I, I forget how I found you, but it was kind of on a whim, and we posted a little story about Sherpa Maps and reached out to let you know we did, and you and I just kind of started talking from there. But in a nutshell, like tell everybody, what is Sherpa Maps? So it is a project, a project of passion between myself and my two roommates. It started out because we live in Wisconsin. It's a fantastic place for road cycling, but I have to travel three plus hours in any direction to find any gravel. Gravel is the in thing right now. I want to make gravel routes. I want to use my gravel bike, but I can't find it anywhere. So I started out by first playing around with the idea of simply projecting gravel roads onto a map so I could find the nearest ones. I was pretty disappointed to see how far away they are. I have to go to Iowa or very far north Wisconsin, um, but that was a starting point. And so from the starting point, I thought, okay, well now I want to be able to route onto these roads and I'm projecting onto a map. So then I started making a routing software. And at first it was really only for uh, cars because I, I was using free tools. I was using free servers and access. And then um, I decided to try hosting my own. I kind of have a special situation where one of my roommates is a server expert, and one of the conditions upon him moving in was he had to move his gigantic person-sized server in with us. So he got the smallest <laughs> room, okay? Got the smallest room, but he, he is taking up the most electricity. And he uses it for things like PlexShare and Minecraft. It's a fun hobby project so he can experiment with things. And I thought, you know what? I got a roommate with a server. Uh, I have an idea that needs a server. Let's let's do this. And so I started developing this app with an enormous focus on gravel cycling and lots of different, um, how do I put this, profiles. So I really like the idea from Strava for being able to maximize climbing or minimize climbing um, or paved and unpaved. or And then my own idea of like racy routes for like a time trial bicycle versus gravel, well, sorry, uh, versus leisure routes that might take you on cycleways and things of that nature. And so I incorporate all of this into a matrix that uh, gives 27 like permutations of different route profiles. Um, so I, it just kind of kept expanding and expanding and expanding. And so now it's this idea that I don't need to leave my site to make a route. I have a weather radar, so I don't need to go to like windy.com or other forecasting sites to see what that's going to look like. I've figured out the best way to determine how long it would take to do the route, and I can map the weather in those locations. So the whole idea was, how can I pull all of these pieces that I'm typically going to into one site? And I kind of ripped off a lot of like the able to manipulate routes and add to it to mechanics like that from Strava. So, cause that's what I typically use with Strava's route builder, but it was getting a little pricey for me. So like, that's where I kind of like decided <laughs> to just make my own based off of that idea. Yeah. Which is, is wild. Cause that's like not an option most people have, right? Like you're, you know, the coder, like what, what's your uh, day job? You know, how do you, how'd you come about these skills? So it's kind of funny you say that because uh, my day job is really quite different. I program HSAs. 
So we receive files. <laughs> and uh, so HSA is a health savings account. Uh, it's a familiar thing in America, not so much in other countries because of our insurance systems. Um, and I program a file that comes in and I make it so that the data gets manipulated, goes into a database correctly for eligibility and claims and all of those things. And it's a little bit of C sharp. It's a little bit of SQL queries. This program is none of that. In fact, it was a learning experience from day one. I had never touched JavaScript before working on this. And uh, just the main site is over 10,000 lines of JavaScript. And it includes Rust for... Um, uh, WebAssembly includes uh, AI and tons of other technologies, but it's a learning process. If I'm being perfectly honest, I started working on this project the second ChatGPT came out. And so I was able to just use that interaction back and forth to program like I had some expertise in a variety of different fields. So you can just blow through things at lightning speed. Yeah. So we'll get to AI because you and I have actually gone back and forth quite a bit on AI and had a couple of phone calls even just on ideas of how that is changing everything. But let's let's save that one for a little later. So before we get into all of that, um, let's go way, way back, because like literally the first 30 seconds of you talking was above my head in terms of what's capable. So you're pulling map data from where? Like when you're looking at these routes and trying to figure out like where the gravel is, like what's the how did you even get started trying to do that? Mm -hmm. So there is one database, only one, that really has a reliably sourced data, and that's called OpenStreetMap. It is founded by an enormous amount of contributors. It's funded by groups like uh, Microsoft and Bing Maps. And so really, when it comes right down to it, uh, if you're not using OpenStreetMap data, you don't have access to the surface type. So for instance, there are many groups who use Google to do their routing. As far as I can tell, Google doesn't really have that level of access, or if they do, I haven't been able to find it. And so uh, OpenStreetMap data, that's the source, and we can just download the whole thing. And we uh, host it locally in a two terabyte uh, database. Yeah, it's a good thing you got your own server, I guess. Oh, yeah. And I don't need to manage any of it. I'm just like, Tim, do this. <laughs> Fix this. <laughs> it's it's yeah. incredible. And he'll just spend hours on it. Yeah. And then, you know, one of the things that I think is really neat about your service is you can kind of tell it, like, find me this type of surface and it'll zoom in. And, you know, one of the key features, and you can elaborate, but it's it's that whatever wherever you don't have exact surface data or precise surface data, you can sort of use AI to predict what it is based on what? Like, how did you come about that? So that was one really fun weekend of experimentation, which actually turned into many, many months of playing around and trying to make it better and better and better. The idea is simple. I stumbled upon a database that will tell me for a large percentage of roads uh, what that road surface uh, type is and the latitude, longitude points that make up that road in, in a line. And so um, knowing I, I have this road and I know the surface type, I can write a script to pull satellite imagery of a known surface type for a road. And I can pull hundreds of thousands of these as a fantastic training set. So I have like an almost infinite number, like if I had an infinite budget, I could pull millions of these images and make the most comprehensive data set off of human tag. This road is this surface type. And from that, I'm able to use uh, PyTorch and fine tune image recognition AIs. If you're familiar with AIs, it's a ResNet 152. It's literally the most comprehensive classification AI you can possibly use. Um, it does not work real time unless you have of like a supercomputer. And uh, I trained it on my gaming computer's RTX 2070. <laughs> and it just sat there and it used up my electricity for months. And now it sits on uh, 
uh, its own server backend when you are actually trying to fill in those blank spots. And I'm currently working on augmenting my data set by just running that on every road that's longer than a mile and integrating that. One really cool thing I want to tell you too that I found out was, uh, A, I am now obligated to share my data set. I found this out because <laughs> somebody asked me for it, cycle.travel. The, the people who make that website actually reached out to me and asked me for it. I was like, well, aren't you a competitor? I mean, you're going to have it now. And they're like, well, you have to share it. It's a derived data set. So I'm like, oh, okay. So funny story. I reached out to Strava. I tried to get their data set because technically theirs is a derived data set. Uh, they, they walked around it very carefully and they gave me back a very um, lawyer-esque reply. Um, <laughs> and they stated uh, their derived data set is separate than their popularity routing data set. So they kept them separate on purpose. They didn't just assign a code or a value to each individual road as to their popularity. And so I need to provide this data set, but I found out something else that's awesome. Facebook made a really, really cool data set. They actually scanned the entire world, and they scanned this weekly, um, looking at satellite imagery, just going through, and find roads that look like roads, but nobody has put on a map. And they made that into a change set file that I could just apply. Now, they say you shouldn't use it for like a routing service, for like a car, for obvious reasons, but for bikers, if it looks like a road and there are no you know, private property signs, it's probably a road. I like to go up to this uh, Menominee Reservation. It's a bit north of me. It's a Indian reservation, and practically none of the roads are actually mapped onto OpenStreetMap database, so you can't even route on them. It's not really annoying when you want to make a route, and you have to sit there and just manually click, 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 click. Well, there is a service out there that determine that's probably a road, and I can use that. So I'm gonna go grab that and stick that into my database. And I only found that because somebody said, okay, well, you have to share yours because of this clause, and even Facebook is doing it with this derived data set. I'm like, okay, well, you know what, I'll take that one. Yeah. You just little give a little, you get a little, right? Yep, exactly. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, again, like this is just to me fascinating because there's so many things out there like that that like whoever thinks of this stuff, right? Like just the fact that you're thinking about it and doing it is so amazing to me. I love it. All right. So basically you're you've trained an AI to look at satellite imagery of roads and then apply that knowledge to roads that aren't classified and just take a really, really good educated guess as to what that is and then apply it. So if mm -hmm. I'm using Sherpa map, I'm maybe going to be able to get surface data that I can't get anywhere else. That's correct. And I know other groups are working on things. I had a conversation once with Rabbit GPS and they mentioned thinking about using accelerometers for phones to try and get this data. Other groups have other ideas. I obviously don't have people with things on their phones well, like biking around, yet I am working on a mobile app, but not done yet. And so that's that's the only way I can think about it. And I originally got the idea. I found some some paper. I was just reading this this one paper. Uh, it's like some Stanford uh, people have put together this paper on how to figure out when roads need to repair from satellite imagery. And they had basically already done it. So I'm like, huh, this is interesting. So I look through it. I'm like, well, that method actually doesn't look that hard. And I was like, okay, ChatGPT, you're an AI. Help me write another AI. And that's, that's where that started. I'm like, what's the best one for the job? What's an even better one? Okay, what's the code for that? And there we go. And it started working and it's fantastic. I, it sounds like you're in a room with a mirror in front of you and a mirror in your back. And it's like, it, right, AI, write me an AI. And then that that's AI, exactly and then, it. <laughs> it just, yes. they just keep going. Oh man, that's wild. Um, and then, so you're able to take that and you know some of the other things that you can do when I'm creating a route in there is you can, you can tell the route to, predict you know the wind speed wind direction the weather and then even like if you put in like if i were to put in like my ftp and stuff i think you can even calculate like 
drink recommendations, fueling recommendations, mm-hmm. tire recommendations based on, you know, all the factors like surface type and wind and everything else. I mean, like, where are you getting, are you just kind of like making educated guesses at that? Or where are you pulling like nutrition and tire suggestions from? That's a great question. On that particular site, I went down a rabbit hole on two sites, actually, because I live with two super competitive people. Um, my, my roommate, who's the server guy, and my twin brother, who is exactly like me, um, and it's kind of an echo chamber sometimes. He is a scientist. He, he works in a lab. He does testing and things like that. And he has a degree in organic chemistry. And so he is an endless pit of knowledge when it comes to anything and everything uh, nutritional. I keep telling him you should get like an actual nutritional certificate so then he can be an authority in the matter, but beside the point. And so he is able to delve through enormous amounts of the latest and greatest uh, uh um, papers when it comes to how our body reacts to different training. Like calories are such a nebulous term too. And I'm sure you've heard about things like this as well. It's not just a straight, like this many watts would be this many calories. It's, it's this system. You will shut down a little bit for this other system to take over. It's a really complicated interplay. And so he's, he's able to leverage that for some of the nutrition details and help me program that. The other portion of it, I did something really cool. So um, I used a mixture of a whole bunch of different technologies. If you've ever been to like, I want to say it's bikecalculator.com, where it's just a bike calculator. Uh, I looked at their algorithm. It's a really complicated and fun algorithm. And I made that algorithm work along your route. Um, every single point, about every 25 meters, carrying the speed from the last point, essentially your kinetic energy into the next one. So it does a full physics simulation for every single point. And I redistribute your power and everything too. So you put in what power you're going to do for the route, and it will redistribute that more power into the hills, less power into the downhills. I made it redistribute your CDA too. So you put in like, uh, your your type of bike, and um, it will have you sit up some more. It'll have you uh, uh, get more aero, depending on if you're into a headwind <laughs> and a tailwind. If you do it with weather, it does it twice. First, it does the full physics simulation to see where you would be, where, when, and then it does it a second time to then pull the uh, forecasted weather data. So then you can see, well, how long is the headwind going to affect me? And then it gives you the headwind details. Um, I also put into account uh, your... Um, what is it? Your skill component and your bike choices. So if you're on a road bike with gravel tires on a mountain bike course, you're going to brake more as an example. And so I, I use a, a pseudo random uh, seed factor for that as well. And, and the reason why is, is really just because I wanted to choose the best bike setup for my races. I, I am just having such a headache here. I have uh, a pro caliber mountain bike that I use for some of my gravel races. I have um, a, a dual suspension gravel bike. When I say dual suspension, it's got a suspension driver post and a suspension fork um, with big tires. Uh, I have a road bike that can take pretty big tires. I never know what bike to take. And so I wanted to be able to input all these values for a particular race and, and see it. Like one of the races that you can choose as a preset option is called the Core 4 Gravel Race. It has uh, 20 miles of mountain bike trails. One of them is a black mountain bike trail. And then it has <laughs> paved roads, concrete staircases, and like really easy gravel. And I don't know what to take, my mountain bike or my gravel bike. So it sounds that's, fun. Yeah, that's the idea of that. <laughs> that's crazy. I mean, that's so cool. But let's get into AI a little bit, you know, like beyond having the AI help you decode the JavaScript and to kind of like assess imagery and all that, like what else are you using it for? Okay, so this is kind of funny. 
I was really bored at one point, and I made it so that if you sign up and you make an account, it'll send you an email, you click a link to verify, it sends it back. If you reply to that email, you will actually get an angry version of uh, ChatGPT AI that its sole purpose is just to watch uh, an email box for a do not reply email. And so it was sarcastically replied. Now, I know you, you probably meant like actual features that I'm using AI for. <laughs> no, but, but I, I, I forgot think that's that you, funny. you did that, that you set up an AI to reply to spam email and stuff. Exactly. <laughs> just... Although one time it did go into a loop. It kept replying to a uh, this doesn't exist like email box. And that, that was a problem and took things down for a bit. But uh, <laughs> No, in, in reality, I have a couple of fun projects in the works. Um, I have a utility I'm working on to make it so that people can communicate in real time and can work on a route together and actually see each other uh, and talk to each other. And that uses AI to reduce background noise um, and AI to blur out the background so it can capture you and then blow out the background just like you can on like Microsoft Teams. Uh, I also have AI Route Insight, which right now is not that useful. It's kind of like a party trick. You click it and it gives you some information about the location. However, all of that fun information that you get back on the cycling route simulator, I also have access to now in the actual Sherpa website. It uses that same simulator, if you cho choose estimate duration, to figure out how long your route would probably take. And it can figure out which portions of your routes are probably mountain biking by looking at a window of turns within that, that area. And it will assume a bike and everything depending on the surface types. And so I, I want to take that information that gets returned and use that with my AI route insight to tell you things like what uh like clothing you might want to wear for a particular route given the weather conditions or um what food you should take with you things like that so i'm working on building that out more so to answer your question yeah i'm, I'm using ai for kind of fun not terribly useful things and then I'm, i am trying to um up my actual ai insight to do more than just tell you general information about the area that's awesome uh, so you sounds like you're just doing an insane amount of calculations, you know, or the, oh, the yeah. servers are and the computers and everything. Uh, I mean, what is your utility bill? What's your power bill every month? That's a good question. I leave that to my server guy. I'm kind of lazy for a lot of things that aren't legitimately the programming thing. And he takes care of the rent and, and the electricity. And, you know, he just Venmo's me at the end of the week. I don't really know what it's a part of. Um, but hundreds, and it's only going to get worse. I'm starting to generate out my own map tiles, and I need to build myself a workstation, my own little supercomputer. I need one because uh, to make my own map tiles and to keep making them, it's kind of a ridiculous process. And at the end of the day, it's probably going to be like taking a blow dryer and running it for a week straight. That's probably what's going what's to be the equivalent of just to make the tiles. And I've already made the Midwest. It looks pretty awesome, and I'm working on making it uh, even better and putting in the different surface types of roads and such like that yeah so why are you doing your own tiles like why not just keep pulling from open street maps or you know google maps or whatever else there is well because uh they don't show enough roads they show things like interstates when you're really zoomed out i want to see the bike trails when you're really zoomed out i can put in uh for instance if you know like um Tra uh, trail forks or uh, what's the other one mountain bike project they can show you some of the mountain bike routes when when you're really zoomed out but they don't show it as an image they show it as something called a vector which can really slow down your computer because it gets rendered on your side i want to make that into an image when you're really zoomed out and you know what i can show you if if you'd just like to take a quick look at the uh the midwest example and you, you can see pretty much immediately why that's so impressive i'm also using uh lidar data that's five meter resolution 
information so you can see every single hill. It's such high resolution terrain data that you can see the outline of roads, you can see the outline of cars, you can see the outlines of buildings. So have you ever made a route where you can see every single hill? That's kind of what I'm going for. And it's uh, hundreds of gigs of data and it's so much processing, but it's so much fun to work on. I just can't stop even like playing around with it. <laughs> well, let's, we'll, we'll definitely put some screenshots of that. Like maybe uh, the kind of like your tiles versus what's publicly available on OpenStreetMaps so people can see. So make sure you check the show notes for this post, everybody. The vector stuff, I'm curious, because like when I think of vector, I think of Adobe Illustrator, right? Where it's like this infinitely scalable art. So, you know, you're right. Like you look at trail forks and you zoom in or zoom out and those colored lines that represent the trails just kind of change. So are those just like, dots and then no matter what you scale it's just redrawing the lines every single time i scale the map that's exactly it so vector tiles are the new hotness it's what everybody has been going to and it's great and amazing for some things and i would actually argue it's probably pretty terrible for cycling maps the reason why is for cycling maps you have so much data to display if you want to see all of the mountain biking parks if you want to see all the fun squiggly roads and display that on the screen it will lag your entire browser to the point of it crashing and i've experimented around with it that's what it does now it's new and it's awesome it's technology that technology that was uh, pioneered and developed by mapbox which is what the vast majority of the groups use like strava and Kamut uh, and no, Kamut uses an open source variant, but it's basically the same thing. And so it's really cool because it allows you to rapidly create tiles. You can create tiles so quickly because you're just serving up uh, an equation. The equation gets read by the browser. Think like a, a and like an XY line graph. You have right. an equation which makes a line. And so instead of actually serving an image of a line, you're serving an equation that creates the line. And so uh, on one hand, you can rapidly create tiles and serve them. The cool thing about that is you can keep things very, very up to date. And the tools, Mapbox, it's unbelievably simple. You open up a browser, you kind of describe what you want to make for your own. You check a couple of options, uh, well, sorry, for a map, uh, and then you can just take the little URL, stick it into your program, and you have a map that looks like how you styled it. So what I'm doing is kind of the old method. I'm using a program called Mapnik, and I'm also using a program called GDAL. These are not programs. Um, these are C++ libraries that can only be ran in Linux. I don't even have that much familiarity with Linux. I'm doing everything on Windows because I'm used to that, uh, which makes things wildly challenging. And so it's been this gigantic uphill battle and learning curve. But in that, I've been able to have precise control over everything. I can make a map that shows every single hiking trail from com being completely zoomed out and superimposes it on the most impressive LiDAR data that's freely given by the uh, US government. And I say LiDAR because most people are not using that. They're using like SRTM data, which is fine. But that means like if you're zoomed in, you get like one pixel and you see... Uh, like at best 30 meters of data. I mean, for some areas, I can even pull one meter data. So then like you zoom in each pixel is one meter. That will le legitimately show trees and things like that as like little outlines. Like you can pick them out from the terrain map. So, sorry, just real quick then, is, that, is there literally a satellite up there beaming LIDAR down and scanning the entire earth? Actually, it's planes. Ah, okay, okay. Yeah, they fly planes uh, around. And the cool thing, and this is this is one thing that's really nice about the U.S. in particular, and I want to say Finland, uh, those two places have access to LiDAR data for the entire country. There are some other ones, too. I'm just going to go around and pull the best possible uh, data 
for um, like just every country that I can find. I'll just go to their websites, their government website and search around. And then as a fallback, I'll, I'll intersparse some SRTM data. I can just take them all and just kind of put them together. And then I can use them and split them up, make them into tiles and style them and all that stuff. So it's, it's a kind of a fun hobby of trying to even find these data sources. Fun hobby. <laughs> It, like it's hunt. awesome, man. Uh, the so I want to back up just for a second on the vector stuff. So, like, I know because I use Onyx for like Overland ah. routes and stuff like that, and I I think it's the same with Trailforce and some of the other ones, right? Where if I'm trying to look at the entire U.S., it'll show like dots with numbers to say like, okay, mm. there's 15 trails here, and then you zoom in, it'll split into like seven here and three here and you know five there, whatever. Is that to save on that vector processing so that you have to get in pretty tight before it actually starts rendering those vector lines? That's exactly it. And in fact, too, if you kind of want a representation of the amount of data that you can put out, on my website right now, I have a surface overlay button that I have made that actually projects uh, an overlay. And at, when you're zoomed out, it uses what are called raster tiles, which are actual images. And it shows every single uh, paved, unpaved, and yeah, paved, paved and unpaved and gravel and, and dirt road uh, for North America. I'm working on Europe and a, and a few of the other countries as well. And so it will show all of them. And I, and I can almost guarantee you've never zoomed out and seen like every road, but like it, it fills up the screen with so many roads and you can get an immediate understanding of where you might want to take your gravel bike or where you might want to take your TT bike. And so uh, when you zoom in though, uh, I do switch it to um, vector tiles. So past a certain point, it becomes vector tiles because well, it's way easier to render out vector tiles it takes like two set well like 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 20 minutes to do a bunch of the zoom levels where it would have taken like a couple of weeks <laughs> so i use both in that particular case yeah cool yeah i didn't mean to derail you on the the map stuff oh, by all, means. all right so once somebody builds a route on the desktop version for now then like what do you do with it is that just there living on the desktop or can i get that onto my phone or my garmin or wahoo or whatever two major options. You can just click the download button kind of in the upper right and it just downloads a GPX file after you name it, or you can hit the send to Garmin option. And I tried to make that option as available as possible because that's what I use. Now, I've been wanting to make a send a Wahoo button, a send a Hammerhead Karoo button and all of those things too, but I haven't been able to figure out how. Uh, Wahoo, as for, for example, I have access to their API and you can send workouts and receive activities, but I haven't been able to find a way to send a route. I reached out to them, haven't heard anything back yet. Yeah, but I'm still working on it. Eventually, I'm sure I'll find some solution. And uh, it is kind of a funny story with uh, Garmin there because I had to quickly whip up an LLC just, just as like a one-person LLC just to interact with them as a business entity. So I hope they're not hearing this and thinking, oh, who do we give access to to send and receive <laughs> routes? But um, that kind of at least precipitated making technically a, a business. Yeah. So once, and I'm looking at your, your site now and I see the, there's an actual dedicated button for send to Garmin Connect. I think with Wahoo, don't you have to like literally email a GPX file and then from your email, like on my phone, I can open that email and then download and the option, one of the options is from my phone, then send that file to Wahoo. Huh. So it might be a phone situation. You see, I haven't owned a Wahoo Bolt in like many years, so it's hard for me to even see what it says on it. We're, we're kind of a Garmin group here and I have nothing against Wahoo. Uh, I do I do like kind of the, the Connect Store app when it comes to Garmin, though, but uh, I'll have to just get a Wahoo so I can play around with it and kind of see what, what options are available. Yeah, and then Hammerhead is, um, you kind of have to add it through their desktop portal at the moment. It's it's a little unfortunate, but I, I know it's got to be something they're working on because everybody wants them to have an app. At the moment, they don't have an app, at least not for iOS. Mm. 
So yeah, it's different. And then I know there's Brighton. I'm not sure what their system is, but I think they have an API as well. I reached out to Brighton. I think that they said, and this was a couple of months ago, that they aren't doing new implementations at this time, uh, but just have to poke them again. So yeah, and I don't see why they wouldn't want everybody, you know, why every computer brand wouldn't want every possible option for getting routes onto their system. Got to allocate resources and things like that, I'd imagine, but it's a good point. I mean, just make it available and I will use it. And if anybody points me to a particular API for a system of their choice uh, and, and say that this this can make it happen, I will absolutely make it happen. It is not that hard to figure it out and just get it sent over. Yeah. Yeah. That's what another thing that just blows my mind every time we talk. I'm like, hey, what, you know, what could you do this? And then you'll literally write me like three or four pages of like, oh, yeah, here's how you can do it and explain it. And so so many technical terms. I just the level of geekery is incredible and and just yeah, I love it. Oh, yeah. I'm a computer nerd. I'm a bike nerd. I mean, I, I go out to the Velodrome and I test out different tire pressures and power meter sensing and things like that. We have one. I'm, I live ne- next to one of the biggest outdoor Velodromes in the United States in Kenosha. doesn't work too well during uh, winter, but uh, I test gravel setups. I test everything I possibly can. The, my, my most shocking thing just was how much lowering tire pressure does actually save watts. That, that blew my mind. So... Yeah. And then, so do you incorporate that in some of the data on your maps of like, here's, you know, not just the tire you should run, but the tire pressure? Well, that's a tricky thing. So initially when it came to that whole simulation site, I did try to make a comprehensive matrix of, you know, you would be this fast with this tire pressure. I I even looked all throughout the code and everything for like the Soka tire pressure uh, one, because it's there, you can just like click and look at the source. And you know what? It becomes too much of a nightmare. So I stopped at assuming the uh, the correct tire pressure for the height and weight of the individual. Yeah, I even took into account how much aerodynamic wind resistance uh, gets like more resistance the taller you are. And at first I tried stealing the numbers from Zwift um, and they're bad. Like Zwift really <laughs> penalizes you for being tall, like many percent of CDA, huh. like worse if, for, for like every uh, inch. And so I couldn't use that data because it was too rough. It made you go much slower, like by adding like uh, a foot to your height. So I, I had to do some, some of my own testing. So what you're saying is I need to change my height in Zwift from 6'2 to like 5'2". Oh yeah, it makes it makes one heck of a difference. And I say that too because I'm I'm five six, and then my my roommate's uh six one. And on Zwift, it is such an uphill struggle. I've tried setting my height to the same thing, and it is it is rough. I, I I'm sorry. Yeah, that's something else. I mean, who would have guessed that? So yeah, where are you headed with this? Because right now it's kind of like a passion project that you mentioned, and you know I don't think you're not charging people to use it. Um, I think people can make donations if they really love what you're doing, and hopefully they will. Hundred dollars. Huh? Yeah. And donations so far. Oh man. Well, you uh, you you bring up some good points in, in such about where I've, where I've been so far. But where I'm going with this, it's kind of an ongoing question. So I have a couple of projects in the works. I'm working on a collaboration with another group on a whole another integration of my projects. So that's that's really fun and cool. When it comes to my site in particular, I'm driven a lot by what I do as a cyclist. Uh, I even made an activity racer site, which is kind of like a ripoff of Strava's. Uh, uh, Strava Labs, uh, the flyby mechanic where you can kind of race yourself or other people at a particular event and you can see the dots, but this just allows you to upload GPX files. So the, the best way to put it is as I continue cycling and I continue looking at things that I want, I just build it into my site. As a current roadmap, I would say my biggest thing is making maps. 
I want to make this really, really, really nice terrain map. And then I want to create an overlay on top of that of roads, of bike paths, of mountain bike parks and things like that for cycling in particular. And then I want to revamp the entire website and make a second version of, of it for runners because I, I, I was a triathlete at one point, like runners need maps too, especially when, when you're going the distance. And then I want to make a overlay that's specifically for hikers that shows all of the hiking trails everywhere at like any zoom level. Um, and then I also really want to up the whole AI route insight, make it better. And if you're talking about more of a long-term goal, where do I want to go with this project? I don't actually know. I want to create apps. I want to add to it. I just want to see what it becomes. I guess since it is a thing of passion, it's not like some company or corporate thing. In you know, it could go anywhere. I could turn into something completely different. I could add a lot of left field things to it. Maybe make it catered to motorcyclists. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's fascinating. I love that you guys are doing it just, you know, out of your own pocket for fun right now, because it's something that you wanted. That's how I think a lot of the best companies started, right? You're like, I see a need. It's not being met in the marketplace. Let me just go make this thing. And so it's killer that you know how to do this, because so much of that is so over my head. You know, like you mentioned partnerships. I'm just thinking like, do you have, what about advertising within? And I hate to add advertising to anything, but the, if I pull up Apple Maps or Google Maps, it's pretty clear there's some places that show up on the map even before I start Zooming, I've paid to show up on the map. I don't know, let's get 7-Eleven to say, hey, stop and get your, fill your bottle up here, grab your Gatorade. So it's actually funny you bring that up. One thing that I think is kind of interesting is hotels. I started looking into this because somebody mentioned, why don't you add an option to like see hotels, see if they have vacancies, booking, things like that. And I, and I replied to the per, this person, this was on Reddit. I said, that's probably really expensive. The API fees, whatever, probably can't afford it. And they said, no, it's it's free or, or they'll actually pay you. I'm like, what? So I started looking into it. And that's something I do want to work on is adding uh, hotels, showing when they're open, when there are vacancies, and letting you actually uh, book a hotel right there from the page. Because I'm often like taking an event, uh, putting it onto the map, and then like seeing where what surface is what, and then going over to the beginning of it, then going over to Google Maps and trying to find some of the hotels that are available, then going to their websites. And I'm like, I could add that and make money off of it because you're affording somebody to that service and they like that. So yeah. that's maybe one revenue point, but I actually don't really know how to make this site generate money. It's kind of a funny thing because uh, I'm more concerned about creating a community first and then potentially, and this is just a thought, you know, feel free to tell me that this is a bad idea, but I'm thinking maybe for some of these maps that I'm creating, because I'm creating very, very specialized maps that require huge amounts of processing power and time to create, I might make them some sort of a premium, like three dollars i don't know a month or maybe like 10 bucks a year or maybe you buy a region and maybe that's a bad idea uh, i don't actually know because i'm not a business person i'm more of like an idea person and my idea thing doesn't really lend itself into the business field typically yeah no i, I think the subscription model is clearly what's working you know and three bucks a month seems like a no-brainer for you know getting the high-res maps and extra features you know especially once you have the app i know you know, like that's one of the things I actually like about Trailforce is you have the free version if you run it through the browser. But for, for most people, the real utility comes from having it in your pocket while you're out on the trail. And to get that, you have to pay for it. Mm. So it's, you know, having that kind of like freemium model is definitely a good idea. And I love the idea of keeping it super affordable. Definitely wouldn't be any sort of cash grab. It would be the idea of, well, I want to be able to purchase more things to make this even better. 
that's that's the whole plan. More and more images, more server hardware. I mean, our server, I mean, it exists, but let me tell you, practically every part of it is used. Uh, <laughs> if you were to buy it new, um, I've been assured it would be like a, a 20 plus grand server, uh, but it is definitely not. And we're constantly having to replace hard drives because we keep buying used solid state hard drives, which is great, but then they fail all the time. It's in some complicated setup where they immediately restore themselves into different ones, but like every week we're running through a hard drive for whatever reason. Yeah, that's crazy. I'm, I'm assuming you have like a RAID setup or... We for, do. Yeah. I want to say RAID 10, but I'd have to ask him. Yeah, once you, you can stop at RAID and it's beyond my... I didn't know there was any versions of it. I just know what RAID does. And for people who are wondering, it's just you have basically redundant servers stuck into one like super little server that if one fails, it's automatically running off the backup and then there's a backup of a backup. Yep, that's how we have it. I have no <laughs> idea how it works either. Yeah, it's kind of magic. It's almost like the this USB power saver thing that when the power goes out, somehow it keeps my computer going without pause. Yeah, and, and I do want to mention one other quick detail, though, is uh, I did practically a very small amount of the work when it comes to the visuals for my website. I do want to give a shout out to my twin. That's what he works on. He is not a programmer at all and has taught himself front-end uh, JavaScript, front-end HTML, CSS, and he keeps working on it and he keeps remaking our entire UI and has made each one of our websites look different, which I have to talk to him about. But like our activity racer looks different than our main site, which looks different. And he is working on a crazy feature. This is a feature that nobody has. This is a feature that everybody wants and it will be coming to our main site very soon. And, and you're gonna be maybe shocked when I say this. We're working on dark mode, dark mode huh. and light mode. Strava doesn't have it. Route GPS doesn't have it. Interesting. I mean, dark mode. Some people want it. I, I don't care personally, but people seem, whenever, whenever Strava releases an update, everybody is like, but is there dark mode? Huh. Yeah, I've never thought about that because I don't, I actually turn dark mode off. I kind of don't like it, but. Same here. I program entirely in light mode and it bugs everybody. Yeah. Well, what's weird is like when you did it, because I was looking at my son's website, I've been helping him build that and there's not a dark mode. And somebody showed me, I was like, hey, pull it up. I'll show you. And they pulled it up in dark mode. And I'm like, oh, damn it. How are we going to go fix that? It looks like crap in dark mode. Um, yeah, that's that's super interesting. Well, so for people who want to check it out, the website is SherpaMap.com. Well, Sherpa-Map.com. SherpaMap.com was taken. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah. And we might switch uh, URLs at some point. I'm never really set on it. We went with Sherpa originally because we wanted to be able to do anything. You know, if you say it's like bikerider.com, then you can't make it for running or make it for cars. So, however, we're really selling into the bike space. I, I'm a cyclist and I can't really make something for overlanding if I if I own a Toyota Sienna, you know? Yeah, All right. Um well, you can try. That's what we drive a lot of time. The uh, No, I like it. I like having that name because it, it fits, but it's, um, I don't want to say generic's not the right word, right? It's broad enough that you can expand in other categories pretty easily. You know, you could have Sherpa map, bike, run, blah, blah, blah. Well, cool. So I encourage everybody to go check that out and create an account. And you know, how many users do you have now? So account-wise, I believe on my last check, 585. So Definitely nothing in the thousands, nothing like that yet. And honestly, every user that adds to it, it just it just gives me more motivation to work on it. And that's kind of the main thing. I mean, just to have anything that somebody else wants to come to, you you must get that all the time with Bike Rumor. I, I'm, I'm certain you, like your Google Analytics is probably wild. Yeah, it's gratifying, right? Like you build something and people appreciate it. And yeah, I love it. Well, cool. Everybody check that out. And if you can, donate a few bucks and keep an eye on you and keep me posted for sure as things develop. Thanks a lot. 
Yeah, thanks. Appreciate you coming on the show. It's been a fantastic opportunity. If you like this episode and have a product or tech you're curious about, head over to bikerumor.com slash podcasts and fill in the form to submit your idea. You'll also find links and photos for this episode there, plus a link to this and every other episode we've ever recorded. If you really like this and want more, hit subscribe on your favorite podcast player and leave us a rating and review. That's the grease that keeps our wheels spinning over here in podcast land, and it helps us keep getting amazing guests for you. You can find us on social. We're at Bike Rumor on all the things. And if you like random entrepreneurship, NFT, Web3, cycling stuff, you'll find me at Tyler Benedict on all the social channels. Thanks for listening. Until next time, keep the rubber side down.